Syria are fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, Curve Americans and Podcast Paisani. We got some big local news here in Washington, D.C. What did you guys think? We just saw RFK retired officially, no more soccer in the D.C. area, at least for a little bit more. Uh, they're going to have to play on, D.C. United's going to have to play on the road next uh, year for like eight home games. RFK retiring, what do you think, guys? Well, honestly, good riddance. The stadium itself was pretty poor, but. You know, it just brings back lots of memories. Growing up in this area, going to those uh, to the games. I saw Freddie Adu's home debut. I used to see Marco Echeverri and Eddie Pope back when DC United was was class. Um, you know, it's going to be sad. I've also seen other games there, but we definitely need this new stadium, and it's going to be sick in Navy Yard. Yeah, they're moving the uh, the stadium. Well, it's not Navy Yard. It's going to be well between Navy Yard and the Wharf, whatever. Uh, for those of you who don't live in DC. That's a much more happening uh, connected area of the city than what uh, you know, Stadium Armory has been for a long time. You know, as an outsider, uh, RFK was, to me, an iconic stadium because it's where the Redskins won three Super Bowls. You know, Joe Gibbs, um, the Hogs, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And then it morphed into where the Nationals played when they came back to D.C. and everyone was complaining about what a terrible baseball stadium it was. But it always... Hold special place to my heart because uh, we would have the the Roma Club crawfish boils there, where uh, new Fabio Nick Sementelli, um, you know, apparently he knows a little bit about just about everything, and uh, apparently knows how to boil crawfish. And we get you know 50, 60 people together, have a huge boil before a game, and then I would usually only get to see about half of the game um, because you know I was picking up afterwards. Um, and putting things away because like, that, that part always escaped me like oh yeah we're gonna have to have to put this stuff away and then usually it was us to go for us to go see some italian star like andre pirlo or batistuta um or you know or, or michael bradley who's to play for rama but yeah i mean it, it hold a total special place in my heart for that but i mean they didn't even open up the top ring in that place it was, it was absolutely falling apart yeah, for me, uh, that was America's version of an Italian stadium. Happy that it's retired. Uh, I did love the fact of just the location in the city. It's right behind Capitol Hill, all the way east. Um, but I've seen Roma play there. That was cool. I've seen U.S. Men's National Team play there, and of course, D.C. United. Happy for this for uh, the the stadium to go. I think next year is going to be awesome for D.C. United. Going to be a hot ticket in town. When when Roma played, was it Chelsea here? I think in DC? Chelsea, yeah. They played at RFK. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Stadium was blue. <laughs> yeah, really was. So um, hopefully uh, that carries on. Uh, new soccer stadiums here in the states. Maybe Italy uh, follows suit and uh, starts building new stadiums over there as well. Famoso Stadio. Little attention to uh, U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, we just named an interim coach today. Dave Sarakin, who's Bruce Arena's assistant coach for the moment, loves the tracksuit guys. Uh, I'm looking for the three-piece if he's really going to do this. No photos uh, yet, but we had a little uh, social media interaction, guys. At Sprinspark is a Conti fan for U.S. men's national team. 
And uh, Conti, liking the three-piece suit. I think that says determination and style. If we did elect Conti for U.S. men's national team, if you're going to rock a three-piece suit in Qatar weather, that shows that uh, we mean serious business. What do you guys think? Uh, this new coach, if you know anything about him, and maybe Conti for longer term. Well, Dave Sarakin doing uh, uh, dressing uh, in the, the mold of Alessandro Charla. Uh, in, in, wherever you find him, he's in a tracksuit. Um, you know, I guess that would be super Italian in America. You go to Philly or Jersey or something like that. I go to an Italian neighborhood. Everyone's in like a velour. Fila. Yeah, Fila <laughs> Just a gigantic uh, gold necklace. And Conte's rocking that suit in the desert. Anything, you know, to, for the style, I think it detract away from that, you know, anything to detract away from the fact that he looks like he cuts his own hair. Um, just an awful, awful wig on that guy. I can't wait for like a strong wind to blow and you realize it's a toupee. <laughs> like all of a sudden, there's a squirrel running across the field and Conte is bald, you know, diving in for, you know behind the bench. <laughs> but uh, you know, Conte at Spring Spark, I appreciate the sentiment. You know, dream big, my friend. That's right. Dream big. Just, just. You know why? I, I don't know why you didn't say Pep Guardiola. Other than I guess we had to stick keep it Italian. But right. I, would, I would say that Conte would be numero uno on the list of Italian coaches. And if he came to the, you know the United States men's national team, I think you'd have half the Italian squad fighting for that American citizenship. That's right. That's right. Hashtag Italians for USMNT. Thank you. Love this, the feedback on social media. Please keep it coming, guys. All right, so there's the U.S. men's national team news. Let's turn it back to Italia. Week 9, guys, in the books. Let's jump into it here with the rundown. Somebody call Tina Turner and Mel Gibson because Week 9 was Serie A Thunderdome. This week saw nine shutouts with six players sent off, but don't think that slowed down the action because we also counted 28 goals. Napoli dropped points for the first time this season in a goalless draw to Inter. Juve bounced back with a 6-2 Kulo blast of Udinese. Roma squeak out three points with another Golarov free kick. That nickname is going to stand, guys. And wild action in the return of the Derby Dell Shakespeare. Meanwhile, Montella finds his team in the bottom half of the table and maybe himself in the unemployment line coming soon. And Atalanta make a claim for 13th place for best of the rest. And finally, some really unfortunate and terrible news. OTFR Ultras continue to bring shame on, the, on themselves and the Serie A. Definitely the the game of the week for week nine. Napoli Inter, one versus two. It finished in a 0-0 draw, defensive battle. But the San Paolo down in Napoli was buzzing on Saturday. And despite an entertaining game, the table stays the same. Marco, what do you got in this game? I don't know if it was buzzing, you know. These uh, these ants, they're crawling. Uh, but big saves from both goalies to keep the clean sheets. Uh, the game was really even. Uh, these are the two teams that should be at the top of the table right now. And, of course, you got Juvid not far behind. Everybody was talking about Icardi versus Drace Mertens. These are the two hot boys right now scoring goals at will. But, really, by the end of it all, it's Andanovic versus Pepe Reina. And, specifically, Andanovic, the handyman. I mean, he's the, ha- the man of the match. 
he saved the ball with every every single limb on his body. And uh, you know, the first team of the season to hold Napoli to a goalless draw, just impressive. And uh, you know, I think it ties back again to Skriniar. This guy is just a young stallion and he's got them long legs he's just been sticking ants left and right yeah watching this game was like uh, like the beginning of the lord of the rings when sauron comes out with that massive club and just just smashing people left and right i kind of envision that of of handanovich and Skrinier being like sauron and then the ant army being these you know these little guys that just keep coming on in ways only to be swatted away it's it's amazing to see these two teams battling it out and i love the fact that the podcast is not starting with Juventus for the first time in in two years, and it's <laughs> it's a refreshing for sure. Fifty thousand people at this game. I mean, incredible. When was the last time that San Paolo had that many people? I you know one versus two. I actually saw this. The Benevento game was the biggest one that they've had this season that compared to it. Um, Derby Ooh. man, the Derby del Benevento. Oh, everybody must have been there to see Amato Cicciaretti. <laughs> That's right. All, all, all he invited all his tattoo artists to come to that game. Yeah, right. But this game was uh, also about the two tactical magicians. You know, my little version of Mister Mister. You guys remember that show, Sister Sister? Sister yeah. Sister. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's Mister Mister. Oh God, that would be a great sitcom, Mister Mister. That's right. And it's the bald man versus the looking like uh, who's that guy who on on Gamora? Savastano. Savastano. Savastano versus uh, Spalletti, who just seems to get a new uh, wrinkle on his forehead every single game. And uh, these are the two most interesting coaches, and they're battling it out. Again, it's a tactical battle. And it's just like both of them, they, they, they both get it right this game. You know, it's crazy about how, like, the, the mob bosses in Italy, you can just grab anyone, like any Dwight Schrute-looking dude. I mean, I mean, this guy they have this guy looks like a mob boss. I mean, Saudi kind of looks like the guy on the bus that's going home from his managerial shift at Applebee's just completely dejected. <laughs> like, I mean, he, he does not look like a, a ferocious man to me. And speaking of tracksuits... He's definitely rocking that style. It looks like he could either be lounging on a chair, sipping on some wine, or uh, I guess managing the uh, number one team in in Italy right now. Yeah, that's right. So, pure comfort. But guys, the third takeaway of this game is that it's not on BN. Unfortunately, you know, Barcelona had to play the last place Malaga team. With one point. With one point. And uh, it's on both the English and Spanish channel just completely monopolizing BN. Um just, like for a reference, right, for all the Serie A fans, this would be Napoli playing Benevento if it weren't the biggest derby in all of Southern Italy. Well, Italy. we're giving Benevento too much credit with one point. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But first versus last, and just I this this was my sticking point because I'll be honest, guys, I came home early to watch this game. I was super excited. I didn't check uh, the the TV listings to see if it was going to be on. I just assumed Inter and Napoli. That's one versus two. Of course, that's going to get ratings. That's going to get put on. And instead, uh, you get Barcelona here, which I understand. Market share. Barcelona's one of the biggest teams in the world. I totally get that. But from our perspective and just American fans here, right? Syria, you've got a good product there with Inter and Napoli. It's not going to grow if you don't put the coverage out there for a good game like this. Well, and it's a team. It's a game that has both teams have major stars in Europe. In you know Mauro Icardi, uh, Drace Mertens, uh, Lorenzo Insigne, guys like that, and Malaga, man. I mean, I you know I think that you could tell a Malaga player's mother that their kid is on the team. They'd be like, oh, really? Learn something new every day. 
Yeah, well, you know, the game itself, 0-0, again, was really the, uh, a goalie highlight game. Let's talk about, real quick, Inter's uh, result from today because they had a big one against Sampdoria. They go up 3-0. Icardi back on the score sheet with two goals. Skriniar, of course, gets one as well. Again, it, you know, just continuing his uh, incredible first season here at Inter. And uh, then Sampdoria brings two goals back, even the quags on the score sheet. And Inter is now at the helm of Serie A for one day because we know that Napoli plays Genoa tomorrow. So I have a good feeling that Napoli might be back on top. Well, you know, I, I'm super tired today because coming home last night, Pepper just would not go to sleep. He's chewing on his foot. He's scratching his phantom palais. Um, and he just wouldn't go to sleep. And I think it's because he's super nervous that uh, Napoli is, is not going to maintain their position at the top of the table. So <laughs> we have one Napoli fan in this house that's, that's really looking forward to this OTF Genoa game, which also fine for you, Marco, for not saying their name properly. True, true. Uh, yeah, I mean, Icardi, look at this man. I mean, he he's, has 11 goals in Serie A so far. And, you know, another two, he, did, he doesn't get one against Napoli, so he's got to get, get two today. Um, you know, I said it at the beginning of the season, I was really excited to see what Spalletti was going to do with Icardi. Icardi definitely had a bunch of talent, but he would go away, you know, for multiple games in a row. And it just seems, you know, right now when you need him, he's, he's just smashing it. So it's, it's just it's a huge result for them. But on the other side of that, crazy Sampdoria coming back three down to the, you know, the now number one team in Italy. I mean, this is, that's not a team that we saw last year after they sold off Schick and Luis Muriel. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, before the game, Spalletti even said, Samp, sono al nostro livello. They're, they're on our level. And I know he's just being humble and, yes, and playing games. But <laughs> Sampdoria, you know, has been a very strong team this year. They even beat Atalanta, I'm pretty sure. So, uh, you know, just good to see, again, the balance in the Serie A and not seeing Juve at the top well, of the According table. to their owner, they've already beaten Roma as well, too. Yeah, right, right. All right, so there's the big game of the week. Let's keep rolling, guys. The second one, we've got OTFR and Cagliari. This one, no surprise, finished 3-0. The story, at least in the game anyway, is Chiro the Hero. Chiro Mobile scoring, gets a brace in this one. That's really it. I mean, Cagliari doesn't get any goals here. They do have a new coach, uh, which we'll get into later. But let's keep talking about Chiro, guys. He's got 13 goals, kind of running away for uh, the Capo Cagliari early in the season. Uh, so much so that he's been rewarded. He got a contract extension for both him and Strakosha. Uh, they're both good with OTFR through 2022. Chiro's uh, quote about the team is that they're in a good place psychologically and they think that they're going to do big things this year. So I, I think that's fair, right? I mean, we are Roma fans, but OTFR is really getting results and it's all on his back. Yeah, Chiro Mobile basically is, is this season's Ed and Dzeko. You know, scoring almost never game. He scored in, uh, over Nice, so he's scoring in all competitions as, as Edin Dzeko was scoring last year. I mean, the, the Cobra Kai. The Cobra Kai has landed in an OTFR and sweeped a leg, Johnny. Chiro, the hero, the 90s uh, uh, teen movie villain, mm-hmm. is, just, is just having himself a career year. Absolutely. And, you know, you just look, you run down the list of the top scorers in Europe. And I think Falcao's got 13 goals in the French League, which I wouldn't consider as tough to do as the Italian League. But Chiro Immobile right now, he's uh, he's going for that, that golden boot. Yep. I think he's, uh, I mean, he, he's just fun to watch. He's a good player. You got to give it to him. Unfortunately, guys, 
that's not what is making the headlines for OTFR. Huge story uh, coming out of Italy. Uh, literally made all the papers internationally. And Frank. Dude, my uh, mom was even texting me about this because you heard it on NPR. So. Yeah, I, I heard it on NPR this morning as well. Uh, so a little of the backstory here. For this game against Cagliari, Curva Nord, which is where OTFR's ultras sit, was empty this game because during a previous match against Sassuolo, they were making racist chants, so the response was, you can't come to the next home game. As a result of that, they sat in Curva Sud, which is where the Romanisti ultras sit, and they decided to place stickers all throughout uh, um, the barriers there that had Anne Frank depicted with a Roma jersey on, saying that Anne Frank uh, is, is a Roma fan, or, or, or Roma fans are Jews, basically. Um, OTFR clearly has a history of being uh, anti-Semitic. Uh, that goes back in their history. I think what's also interesting in this one, when uh, the Ultras were asked about this, they said this is not a big deal. There are other outrages in the, wor- in the world. The media should not uh, be looking at this. They should be looking elsewhere. To the media's credit, out in Italy, they had the response of, we are all Anne Frank, so definitely countering that and, and uh, trying to respond to this appropriately. Uh, but guys, just this is ruining OTFR's run, Ultra's not being part of this game, but this is above soccer. This is outrageous. Uh, I think it's appropriate that the international media picked up on this because I, I just, uh, this, this really takes away from it. It's disgusting. That's, that's really what I felt about it. Well, the, the reaction, you know, we were discussing this yesterday, is like, what, what should their reaction be? And obviously, OTFR fans need to face some sort of ban. And, you know, just kind of the how being unremorseful, um, that ah, it's, it's not that big of a deal, it just kind of goes to show how out of touch they are. But even OTFR themselves, you know, sending two, they, they came out today, they're going to send two, they went to the, the synagogue in Rome and said that they're going to send, you know, 200 young OTFR fans to Auschwitz every year to, to help educate them. Um, and then all over the Serie A this season, or all over all the uh, the uh, uh, professional Italian games, they're going to have a minute silence um, where they're going to read um, from Anne Frank's diary. But it, you know, it's it's not just OTFR. Like the the the, uh, uh, the Scully fans down in the lower divisions, they're planning to boycott this, saying that oh, you know, there there's again like echoing these OTFR ultra sentiments that. There's, you know, there's between the earthquakes and the care for the elderly and stuff like that. Like, why are we politicizing a few stickers? I think the answer to that is because it's despicable and um, you're doing making public statements of anti-Semitism and people are right to come out. And but the one thing I'd like to see out of this, though, is, you know, you alluded to it before. And I know it goes above above soccer, but OTFR's fans are really letting down their team when their team is having a great season. So their players have had interesting run-ins with Ratlich last year getting the, the the weak suspension for his you know terrible racist comments about Rudiger after the derby I think it's time for OTFR's players to come out and start saying things you know to poo-poo in this yourself because it's one thing to have a bunch of old guys in, a, in an office in a, in Milan telling you what's what it's another thing to have your heroes saying that as well yeah, and my thing is at this point, you know, we we know that emptying the stadium is not affecting OTFR that much. You know, they had like 14 season tickets last season, uh, but they're doing so well. You know, it's tough for me to say, but just I think you just you put the repercussions on the team, giving them sanctions in the transfer market. 
And that starts changing some things. You know, you start affecting the team. This is bigger than soccer. I agree, Chris. And, uh, you know, even though some people will say it's just a few bad eggs, well, you know, I think it's the, the team's responsibility to foster a culture in that stadium that doesn't allow for that to happen. When do you ever see this in the EPL? Exactly. Is is disappointing and disgusting. And I will give credit to the to the league for what you know what they're doing with uh, reading the passages. That's a step in the right direction. But to Tad's point, uh, at some point here, there there needs to be more. Uh, so we stop seeing this and we start acting like bigger leagues, like EPL, things like that. Well, and it's it's chronic with this team, and it seems that. Uh, you know, like Marco said, they boycotted the, the almost the entire season last year, save a few games, um, because of the barriers. Um, so uh, there, there has to be more decisive action. And, you know, maybe it's penalizing the team or whatnot, but I think that everyone needs to show uh, a, a little bit of unity in, in, you know, I guess breaking the few bad eggs that, that are out here doing this because it's obviously despicable enough that my mom's hearing about it in the United right. States. Exactly. And she saying. usually only gets her Syria info from, from NPR. America. Oh, yeah, I yeah. thought NBR. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was uh, the saddest part. Um, switch over quickly, guys, to Cagliari. Tomorrow's future starts today for them. They got a new coach on the bench, and we actually should recognize him. It's just one of the many former coaches from Palermo last season, Uruguayan Diego Lopez. Uh, He signed on. He's played 12 seasons with the Castadu and apparently had to break his deal because Palermo was still paying him, which makes me think... They have like six coaches on the payroll still in Serie B. Which, six? Yeah, at, at <laughs> minimum, yeah. Uh, so just uh, rough, rough for Palermo there. But uh, hopefully for big things with Cagliari. Um, no goals in this one, but hey, we'll focus on that for the midseason games. The, the Cagliari's just got to – they just got to begin their fight to stay up. Yep. They're, it's, they're not out of it yet. The, the bottom part of the table is so bad right now. They can still be in it. But unfortunately, look at your team. And there's just not much talent there. So hopefully Diego Lopez can get the most out of players like Barella, like uh, Marco Sao, and uh, hopefully get Pavoletti back on track. But that, they, they just they just got to be like, hey, man, this island is great, but it's not as enjoyable if we're in the Sadia B. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Let's go on to the third game here with Juventus and Udinese. This one finished 6-2. Juve changed salons and finally book a waxing for Udinese. Tad, go ahead. Well, how do you know you are the inferior black and white striped team in Italy? The answer is you lose 6-2 at home to a 10-man team. Seriously. I mean, Udinese (laughs) had a 10-man Juve level at 2-2 with almost a full half to go. But they managed to use that time to watch Juve score four unanswered goals. I mean, Bizzari was was so bad in this game. He's going to need therapy to get over this one. Um, So... A strange win for Juventus, but they come away with a with a big six-goal victory. And my big takeaway is is, is Juve bounces back. I mean, every, they're, they're, they've had kind of a run of poor form that we haven't seen from them in a while, which would be normal for any other team. But when you win six Scudetti in a row and seem invincible for several years. Um, but, you know, they come from behind this one, show some character. They get on ten men. Mandzukic gets to double yellow. And actually, Allegri... And the post game was like, "Hey, yeah, thanks. No, that we we needed to the hashtag most Italian thing ever. Yeah. We needed to suffer to be able to come back from this one." So, <laughs> Manzukic gets peace because basically, you know, him and uh, the Udinese player look like they're gonna. You couldn't tell if they're gonna make out or fight, 
Mandzukic said fight, gave a little vaf to the uh, to the referee and gets sent off, which Marco, you think that was enough for the second yell to get sent off? I mean, I'm surprised this doesn't happen more often. Like, how many times have you seen the camera zoom in to a player just blatantly cussing out a ref? And it's like, if these refs want some respect, maybe they stand up for themselves here and there. Uh, Mandzukic, at least he gets to play against Juventus, it seems like. And uh, Allegri, it's not the first time that he's pried his team and, and said something like this. Like, oh, we needed that loss or, oh, we needed that goal and we need that red card. So, you know, just uh, Allegri playing his little mind games. An unlikely hero in this game, Sammy Kadira, has his, his first hat trick, and he was pretty exuberant after the game. I don't know, I think maybe he's taken out his frustration because he <laughs> went to play FIFA and they showed a, a picture of him from like 19 seasons ago. Like They showed like his fourth grade school picture, yeah. and he tweeted out, he's like, bro. I haven't had the, the dreads since you know since high school. What what is this picture? Comes out, makes it so you won't ever forget him with uh, with three goals here. But amazing! Did you guys see like the first five goals of this game were all set pieces? I mean, even the own goal was I think it was Samir headed it into his own goal. I yeah. guess he forgot which stripe team jersey he was on. Yeah, it looked um, a little bad on that one. I watched this game live, and uh, first of all. Give credit to Udinese. Their first goal was fantastic, but you're right, Tad. The the Juve goals in this one, they they just dominated uh, on the set pieces. That's that's what won them the game. It was great. But speaking of, of swearing, you know, we got a little we got a little uh, trouble in paradise here, a little chink in the armor. Um, a lot of talk in the Italian press about did DiBala, aka Nightwing, aka Ghost Rider, aka Dibalik. You know, was was he insulting Allegri because he seemed super po'd, uh, molto arrabbiato when he got uh, got pulled off this game, and he was going back to the bench. They got a clear zoom in of him swearing in Spanish at Allegri. So, little tr- shades of Bonucci last year, guys. What do you think? Well, you know, some would say probably Allegri, and this is you. Know, you know, you like to see your your uh, strikers being competitive. And, uh, I mean, he does have 10 goals in the league. I, Hashtag things coaches say. Typically, when you have, like, a top striker who is trying to, you know, get the most goals in Europe, they want to stay on for the scrap games. They look at someone like Cristiano or, or Messi, and they don't get rested, you know. So, I could see why Dybala's a little bit uh, angry there. But Allegri's keeping his, his mind towards the future, especially with Mandzukic getting... Uh, that double yellow. I don't think he wants another one of his players being at risk. I, what I don't understand is why aren't these guys more polished? Like, why don't you, you know, because like in, in, in the United States, Italy, Italian is, is like a code language for me. So if I, you know, if you hear me speak in Italian, I'm either, you know, talking about uh, my stomach being upset and, uh, you know, I, I have to find a bathroom quickly or I'm talking bad about you. If I was Dybala, like, just learn some swear words and like, Arabic or Chinese or like or something like that. You can say whatever you want. They're not going to zoom in and catch you on that one. Or English. <laughs> It'd be easier for us as podcasters. Um, yeah, guys. The other news out of Juve, uh, probably Agnelli uh, coming out. They had a board meeting and him as president, which, uh, by the way, I guess that doesn't count for much being banned since you're running the board meetings. Uh, he kind of laid out the goals for Juve here, which is still to win the Scudetto. Uh, I think I saw today, too, that the quarterfinals is what they're hoping for Champions League rather than winning it. So that's a little different. And then uh, the idea of maybe we should shrink Serie A to 18 teams. He seems to be in for that. And uh, the last part was the TV deal thinks that that's got to improve for Serie A to grow. All right. So basically, you know, 
he uh, he gave you a call and uh, <laughs> yeah, wanted exactly. to know what you thought. And yeah. you're his official consultant. He's yeah. like, hey, you know, uh, uh, I'm supposed to not be at this board meeting. So I decided I've been listening to your podcast. So I decided not to just have my own ideas. And Chris is like, well, I can get you into the States these, for uh, <laughs> a, a, a fair price. These, these ugly Americans, they're onto something. <laughs> what I thought was interesting about this thing, too, as well, is, you know, he decided to take a shot at Conte. Like, you know, every, we were just talk, singing his praises that, you know, he, he praised Max Allegri by basically saying that uh, were others left when they thought the job was done because, as we all know, Conte left after three straight Scudetti, dipped out, you know, shortly before preseason training. And so, you know, they, they went at Conte, and Conte, you know, buttoned up the top button of his, of his vest, you know, stuck his hand and pulled out his pocket watch, in his, in his pocket and pulled out his pocket watch, basically said that, uh, that maybe he should show appreciation and maturity. It's a little pat on the head for uh, uh, Il Capo. Yeah, maybe we'll be crossing him off the list of uh, if Allegri gets replaced, maybe Conti's not coming back. <laughs> All right, so there we go. We've got on to the fourth game now. We've got Roma and Torino. This one finished one nothing. Kolarov, or Golarov, does it again. Roma take a visit to the training room, which is Torino as we know it, and comes out with three points. Marco, what do you got? That's right, and Roma really takes it to the Roma Rehab, a.k.a. Torino. Uh, could have probably had a few more goals, but Torino fought hard throughout the game, and it does take a Golarov masterclass free kick to unlock the result. So, you know, first takeaway is we say it every time, it's Roma Rehab once again. And you look at the starting lineup, it's Sadiq, Falke, and Yaich. They're probably <laughs> the, actually the most dangerous players on the field and as usual the ex-roma players are possessed and uh trying their best to maybe get called back by the jalorossi i don't know i would i probably right there's some motivation there of getting back to a top club after torino is a middle of the pack well sadiq's on loan and still very young yeah. um we know you know full of promise and i think he came to uh to rome when he was 17 so i think he's the only one that really has a chance do you guys think that uh uh Wani Turbe was watching this one in the States with a single tear running down his cheek, wondering what, what could have been. Working on his finishing in his house. He's. Do you think that Wani Turbe just has nets in every room just so he can just practice just passing the ball into the goal? With, with Tony Robbins blaring in every single yeah, And He probably right. has very thick carpets because he's tripping all over the place. feel bad for that man. <laughs> so the game is a hard-fought battle, and honestly, I think Miha a.k.a. Bobby Knight, a.k.a. Bilbo Baggins, got his team nice and psyched up, including the fans, because the Olympic Stadium in Turin was looking mad full. Uh, you know, lots of lots of decent play from the Torino side, the, the Raging Bulls, but I think Roma had definitely the, the, the more of the play. Like I said, they should have probably scored a couple more. The, the main thing that stood out about Roma for me is their defensive tandem Juan Jesus and, and Moreno, Hector Moreno, these two left-footed, the left-footed duo, and they finally do it. You know, they they get that uh, the shutout, and they just they look decent back there. I'm happy for them. Yeah, I, the, I'll read in a lot of the, the upcome to this game. Uh, it, it seemed like the day before and the day of it came out that these two were going to be paired, and I think there was a lot of trepidation from Roma fans. Roma uh, Club DC. Roma Club DC. Yeah, definitely. Our our group chat was blown up by this, but. Me, I, I was pretty excited. I think Juan Jesus, um, when you know, when he's playing center back and in position, is is you know not too bad of a player. He can, of course, he can have some howlers of games, but he can you know most of the time he plays pretty well. 
And I was just really excited to see Hector Mourinho. Um, you know, it's good to run him out there at this point where, you know, we have all these games coming up. And, you know, he'll probably see another nod against Crotone tomorrow, which, Chris, what are you going to do tomorrow for Roma Crotone? Like, I mean, are you just going to you just gonna be a man divided? Are, are people going to see you walking down the streets talking, you know, talking to yourself and they'll put change in your <laughs> coffee cup? I'm always a Romanista first. Uh, I'm sorry to say Crotone Club DC will not be able to watch this game uh, as it is a work. They're, they're, boycott, work they're boycotting this one. They're, they're sitting this one out. Work gets in the way sometimes. So You're staying in the dressing room on this one? Yeah. Guy, uh, guys, last couple uh, takeaways from this game. It's Alcatraz Golarov, a.k.a. Alexander Kolarov, the newest nickname brought to you by a mixture hybrid nickname from Roma Club DC, uh, Sid. And Carlo Zampa. I mean, this guy is definitely the purchase of the season. Five mil for all these free kick goals, I'll take it. And, uh, you know, if he wasn't an ex-OTFR player, I would actually consider maybe getting his jersey. Yes, good good call. Um, and I will point out that on the Roma, AS Roma English 3x3, three three, they asked the questions, who was the best signing of the summer? And I said, not only Alcatraz Golarov, but he also looks like the Beastie Boy um, Adam Yauch, or however you pronounce it, but yeah, man, just pennies for this dude. I mean, I'm, I, you know what? I think I'm, I'm fine with Roma being Man City rehab. Like, just, just give us another Jacko, so Golarov. Who, who else you guys got? We, we, we'll take him. You got, any, you got any, you got any right backs? Kunagueto's been injured a lot. You know, we'll take him. Yeah. You know, we have a good training staff. Yep. No, we, we might be getting more Man City players in the future. There's an article on Bleacher Report about that. So we will see. Last thing, guys, uh, you know, Roma's 18 points, fifth place. But they have a game in hand. Let's not forget they got to play against the mighty Sampdoria, who uh, already thinks they won that game. But honestly, it's a good position to be in right now. I think everybody's writing off Roma way too quickly. You know, as soon as we start to get some of these players gelling, maybe Jengis Wunder gets on and doesn't play like trash. But, you know, Jekyll, he's been carrying the team. And with that midfield, you know, I think we always have a chance. This this team, I think, is still a sleeping giant, and they need that signature win. I think a three-two over Chelsea would have been great, but like they need that signature Sadi A win, um, and then I think they can start ripping off and 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 uh, uh, you know just blasting through teams and still make that challenge for Scudetto. I love the underpants. I hope that one sticks. Um, we would be remiss, guys. We are Roma fans, but I, we got to mention this story. Uh, Roma fans doing racist chants, allegedly at Chelsea, against one of our former players in Rudiger. And so, as I said with the OTR segment, uh, OTFR segment, just no to racism. You know, this, this just period. This this ruins it for covering the league, covering the sport, covering Serie A. Exacerbated further by the fact that Rudiger was wearing our colors just last season and faced racism while he was wearing our colors against OTFR with Lulich, Ratlich, whatever you want to call him. I just find that totally unacceptable as a Roma fan. That that ruined uh, what was otherwise a really fun game for me with the Chelsea game. Uh, I, I hope it's not true, and, and I hope it doesn't continue. From an American Romanista, I hope that's not how we act. Yeah, I think a resolute something from... Uh, EDF or players. I know that the players are pretty filtered, um, but you know if I'm gonna if I'm gonna put OTFR players to task for it, I think that Roma players need to be put to task for it. I think that you know uh, you really need to call these people out. 
All right. With that said, let's finish off the top five with Sampdoria, the surprise Serie A team this year, versus Crouton Nation in Crotone. Sampdoria took this game 5-0. They find themselves in a bigger blowout than game five of the Dodgers versus the Cubs. Hey, now. Sorry, Tad. Hey, now. And they don't seem so sure on why it's happening. Sampdoria, the big takeaway first off is that they're surprising even themselves in this current run. They're still undefeated at home this season. They drew to Hellas in in September, but since then have beaten Milan, which maybe isn't a big deal, Udinese, Atalanta, and now Crotone of all teams. They got five different goal scorers in this one, but Mr. Giampaolo steals the spotlight from his team in this one because his quote after this game, Sampdoria do not have any specific objectives this season. We're simply here to improve. It's a quote as inspiring as Kievo Mr. Maron's approach last week of aiming for 11th place. If you could give Mr. Giampaolo some guidance on a midseason goal, guys, what do you think it would be? Just make sure that Quagliarella is taking those ice baths because he's getting old but yep. still scoring them goals. Maybe uh, aim for something, something uh, like a top five finish. Maybe, you know, just, just an idea. Yeah, well, the last time they, they, they were in Champions League, that, that was a pretty painful thing for them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, aim for Europe, whatever. Yeah, do something. Give me a number, man. Yeah. Give me a number. Yeah. So, Sampdoria, they lost today, uh, as we mentioned, but uh, they have some fight into them, only lost by one goal and had a comeback. So maybe they are going to be this year's Cinderella. We'll see. On the other side of the ball, we've got Crotone's Davide Nicola, who is becoming more of a realist than Captain Obvious for Hotels.com. His quote, Sampdoria is better. We know where we need to get points on the table. So apparently, guys, this opportunity was not one of them. So the march for 17th place continues for Crouton Nation. We will see if I get that white jersey after all. That is the most march for 17th quote right there. We just know we got to stay above above the, the three people below us. One of my favorite things about Sampdoria doing so well is that their stadium right now is, you know, they're pretty hyped. It's a fortress and it's a beautiful stadium, uh, older Ar- stadium. Arguably the hottest ticket in all of Genoa. Yeah. Going to see Sampdoria here. Yeah, we should honestly road trip. Road trip <laughs> to Genoa and go to a Sampdoria game. Maybe get a free Sampdoria jersey. I'll take one. Yeah, yeah. I'd wear it. Looking like Iron Man. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Sampdoria continues to surprise the league up there in the fifth game of Week 9. We'll take a quick break and then finish off with the rest of the week. Starting off the second half of week nine, we've got Milan and the other team from Genoa, Genoa. This one finished with a thrilling 0-0. Montella spotted buying flame-retardant pants after finding himself on the hottest seat in Europe. So true. Ted, what do you got? It's all starting to spiral out of control for Milan these days. They lose their captain to a red card in this game to go to 10 men, and they nearly lose to OTF Genoa at home big storyline guys what everyone's talking about is montella out i mean i wouldn't be surprised if we see you know a tweet from him like eric bledsoe just says like i don't want to be here anymore (laughs) um and you look at it he went zero zero draw earlier in a in the week in the europa league to it you know again another team that looks like you sat on your phone and texted accidentally and then they go zero zero to otf genoa 
everyone is just speculating when this dude is going to be out like a fat kid in dodgeball. Um, they've even started to link people to him, link other coaches to his job. Um, we got CP Sporting coach Jorge Jesus, and even Gattuso has been linked. But I think that's uh, you know I think that's only if Dusty Baker or John Gruden pass on the job. So. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, throughout all of this, Montella still has a connection to the players. The, the 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 team is backing him, and Bonucci even with just a just a terrible game. Um, Getting the red card in this one is out there being the captain backing Montella. You know, he says, we are with Montella and we will recover. We all need to stick together. I have a question on that, honestly. just So Montella is on the hot seat 100%. Benucci has been atrocious. He's the number one uh, salary of the team after $250 million. What do you think? Is this more on Montella or more on Bonucci of their just terrible run so far? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that Bonucci's coming out and backing up Montella. He's looking for as many friends as he can because if a new go, if a new coach comes in and wants to make a real statement and puts his his behind on the bench, then uh, you know he he's just very he's in a low period right now. I personally think Bonucci's a fantastic defender. Love the fact that he can play with his feet too, um, but. You know, he's uh, he's been trash so far, so he needs to pick it up. Yeah, six one way, half a dozen the other. Uh, Montella is in over his head, and Bonucci is not helping him out at all by having the worst run of form in his career. I mean, yeah, you want to talk about Bonucci? He has a red card in this game after apparently a, a couple weeks ago he offered to give the captain's arm back to Montolivo. Um, he has a two-game ban for an elbow, and he has a mental coach. Who's out there, you know, talking all the stuff about how, uh, you know, saying things on Banucci's behalf, and Banucci comes out with a tweet that uh, publicly disavows him from Twitter, which also is hashtag the most Italian Twitter thing ever when you formally come out and disavow your mental coach on, on Twitter. You know, this this team this team is just drowning. I mean, they're they're more lost than the leaders of the Venice Marathon. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we even got Berlusconi coming out of the woodwork saying that Milan is in financial trouble, which it's like, dude, Silvio, just play a different song, man. Hit a different note. It always always have to be about. It's so know. clear, right? It's so clearly like you. Things were better with me in charge. Yeah. Just thanks a lot, Silvio. We and appreciate the money, that. Yeah, money, exactly. right? The money. Yes, it's me. I'm better with money. I'm the best with the money. Um, you know, even Baca was saying last year that he was on the the worst Milan team in history, and Adidas breaks their deal with him five years. It was it was mutual, but I gotta say that's not a good sign. After all this dropping, all of a sudden we have a mutual break with Adidas, one of the biggest soccer yeah. Com- I think Bonucci's mental health coach broke that news as well. <laughs> yeah. So you know he's not happy around there. Yeah, I mean guys, look at this team. Even with a new coach, do you think they're even built for success? Yeah, I mean they are, but the you know since the beginning of the season we talked about the fact that they're young, they're gonna need time to gel. Sometimes teams like this take one to two seasons before you start seeing like real, real results. And I know that you know the Milan faithful are not that patient, and that Montella was a little bit on the hot seat to begin with. So, look, I think you keep going with Montella at least till December. See if he can work it out. You know, hopefully by then it's not, you know, the situation doesn't get any worse. Uh, You know, I want Milan to do well. And if they have to resell the team so that they can, you know, find some loophole to not get sanctioned by the FIFA financial fair play rules, then 
Nah, it's just, it's just annoying. You know, I just want to see the Milan team back and Serie A's getting uh, leveling out with the talent throughout the table. And I want Milan to be up there. Yeah. I it, want Milan. Milan is in 11th place right now. So if Montella was on the hot seat a little bit to start the season, oh my God. Now, it's, now it's like the girl that you're staying with that uh, at the beginning of the year that you didn't know if you really wanted to be with her. And now everything she says drives you absolutely freaking crazy. So there, I think that I think that Milan uh, Montella is on his way out. They need to find something to do to, to get these younger players along better. Even, I mean, the younger players, Banucci. He's the one that's, that's that's playing so terrible. Catrone, looking your way. Need to step things up here. But uh, I, I got to say, UEFA, man, that was his saving grace. And the, the 0-0 draw on that, man. It's uh, he, We need to start scoring goals for Milan, for sure. My last takeaway from this guy's game is all these bad things we're saying about Milan. OTF Genoa has their statement game with a 0-0 <laughs> draw. With 11th place Milan. Step aside, 1-1 Kievo draw and 3-2 win over Calgary. This is a draw that OTF Genoa can build all build on all season long. Amen. Amen to that. Still looking for that hot ticket with Sampdoria. <laughs> all right. On to the seventh game of Week 9. We've got Atalanta and Bologna. This one finished 1-0. We've got Cornelius, also known as Jesse Plemons, for all you Breaking Bad fans out there. And Friday Night Lights. The doppelganger dashes Marco's dreams four-game win streak for the Rosso Blue. Atalanta getting back on track. Marco, what do you got? Yeah, after a win in the midweek uh, against uh, a, a team that I can't say their name, Atalanta gets back into the European picture uh, in the table with a good win against Bologna. I mean, let's be real. You know, they completely dominate them and pains me to say so <laughs> here's my conundrum guys this is everybody's favorite team in Serie A Atalanta and uh, they're playing against my second favorite team on the planet so I'm very sad to see them go down one nothing they still got that money ragu sauce you know that the hot pasta nothing from the Jedi rat tail this game up you know, you think that Bologna is having the season and then Atalanta's, uh, you know, needs this win more than Bologna because everybody wants to see Atalanta win and they do it. I'm just going to be so somber here because I want my team to, to keep moving towards Europe. And it's about time that Bologna gets their squad in there and, and starts being recognized around the world. It saddens you to see Destro with his shirt on. He hasn't really been playing, so maybe that's another reason why I like him so much this season. I'm, I'm amazed. Uh, sorry, Marco, this is going to hit you hard, but Atalanta, 12 points, man, in 12th place. Uh, just, I mean, they're doing really great things in Europa, but seemingly in Serie A, they're, they're, I mean, let's be honest, right? They would be up, if they win one more game, they'd be in 6th place, so the table's pretty even, but it's pretty surprising to see Atalanta in 12th place, no? I'll say this, though. They have a couple easy matches coming up against Elas, an Udinese team that you thought was decent until they get waxed by Juve. Apollon, don't know where they're from. And Spal. I'm going to guess Greece. Yeah, and Spal, you know, before they play Inter on November 19th. So hopefully they can get ahead of steam before that game. And uh, like I said, every Atalanta, everyone's favorite team in Serie A. I think they're in good shape um, based on the fact that they've had such a tough schedule at the beginning of the year. Shout out to at Catenaccio NA, our good buddy Rocco, for the Cornelius goal uh, reference for Jesse Plemons. Love to see that stuff. He is definitely the cold-blooded killer lookalike. 
with striking again. Yeah, with the parity at this part of the table right now, I, I think that Atalanta is is definitely in you know can can orchestrate a Europa uh, run from uh, from 12th place right now. If you look at their upcoming schedule, and they have the talent to do it, and I think that uh, they have the coaching to do it as well. Anybody so. see uh, Petania's girl on Instagram? <laughs> she had her nips on blast, and Petania. Uh, comments on the picture with uh, a bunch of frowning faces and it just says <laughs> cover up <laughs> right let's keep it g-rated so, for curve america and petania's so, girlfriend's instagram so petania you just you know <laughs> you went down to a peg for me <laughs> <laughs> all right guys i think we'll keep rolling on here and we are about to head into Richard Whittle's The Danger Zone. Da, 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 da. <laughs> the, the Danger Zone. All right. Wow. I also noticed on the few games that BN actually put on TV this week, The Danger Zone is catching on with the other broadcasters. So Richard zone. Whittle, copyright that. I think it's because <laughs> of us. <laughs> yeah, that could be too. And because of Whittle, Richard is legendary. Always, always. I think, I think that... Uh, uh, the rest of the announcers at the BN are, are staying up late at night with a flashlight under the covers, just wishing upon a star that they could wake up the next morning and be Whittle Richard. That's right. Him and Ray Hudson for sure. All right. The first game we got in Richard Whittle's Danger Zone is a derby. We've got Chievo versus Hellas, the Derby di Verona, the Derby di Shakespeare, the Derby della Scala. Whatever you want to call it, it was the most excited this pod has been for a Hellas game since their promotion last season. Alas, it hath ended in yet another defeat. That's as much Shakespeare as I can get in at this late hour in the podcast. Off we go to the game. Hellas making it tough to get excited about their games. It's like waiting for baseball's opening day while there's a World Series on the line for them. Adding to the lack of drama is Hellas coach... Was that a, was that a Yankees reference right there? Yeah, it could have been. Uh. Score hit me back for that Cubs line I had before, huh? Hellas coach Fabio Pecchia here. His quote, we're preparing like it's any other game, regardless of city atmosphere. Right, so, bro. Let's let's right. play this out, right? You live in Verona. You've got the Derby this weekend. Your team, Hellas, is in seventh place with six points. Your only win is against Benevento and draws to Torino, Sampdoria, and Mighty Crotone. And your reaction to the Derby is... We're preparing like it's any other game, regardless of city atmosphere. We're just treating it like any other game. If you guys are a fan, what would you react to with your coach saying something like that? You know, it's not surprising. Uh, again, coach is trying to play the mind games, but you would definitely hope that you get a little bit of uh, more sizing from the coach on this one. Well, and also considering that if you're an Ellis fan and you were robbed of your derby all, the last time you were in a Ellis derby or a derby di Verona, uh, Luca Toni was playing in the game. Seriously. I mean, you know, I would love for EDF being like, you know, going into this uh, derby against OTFR, I would love to snatch the still beating heart out of their chest and hold it in front of their face just to show them how black it is before they die. <laughs> all right. Uh, for the they game. They take with- a bite out of it and spike it on the ground. <laughs> So that's how derbies go in uh, the Capitale. There you go. Um, but for the game itself, guys, it was exciting, at least for Chievo fans. They come back from a one uh first half. Bobby Inglese, Roberto Inglese, gets a first-half brace. Hellas go down to 10 men with Zuccolini's double yellow. Then they lose the lead on PK, only to take the W in the 73rd from Policier's goal. So the elderly relying on the young whippersnappers of Inglese, and then also old man Policier coming in for the victory. But 
pretty fun game if you're a Kievo fan, no? I I just have one question about this game. How many players on Kievo do you think were wearing Depends during this game? <laughs> yeah. More more than uh, they should, for sure, in, in a derby. You want young players out there. How many Canes are in the locker room? They, they they just they just have have IVs waiting for these guys when they come back uh, into the locker room. The Derby Dell Dull Derbies is over, and uh, Kievo gets it this time. So hopefully, Hellas, you show up with some more enthusiasm. Hopefully, you can get it in the second round later in the season. Up next, we've got Sassuolo and Spall. This one finished one nothing. Sassuolo's favor. Tad, what do you got? You know, looking at this table, I love this early part of the season because you're like. What is going on? Did you guys even know that Sassuolo, how badly they've played this year, is in 13th place? I, the, the second half of the table is a mess. It's just a mess. Garbage. I mean, just just if you watch this game, Sassuolo is just a comedic team to watch. They're absolute trash. Ragusa, he gets a Chiellini in this game. He actually draws a PK on a Chiellini. This guy named Versainanen, he has a bunch of... Uh, dots and stuff over letters in his name so i have no idea if i'm saying that correctly you know goes for a a challenge but pulls up and ragusa just does the dolphin in the air but also pretends that he's been hitting the junk but then berardi misses the pk on his chiellini so the only thing worse than a chiellini is missing the pk when you are given the gift of a chiellini just absolute (laughs) mess there but then it just continues casata is subbed on in the 87th minute and he gets a red card in the 89th minute. And it was the 20-year-old's first appearance for Sassuolo, and it's just two minutes long. If, so if the, that doesn't say danger zone, I don't know what does. Yeah, I mean, a, a 20-year-old uh, it, it only gets an appearance for two minutes before a red card. You know what I call that? Premature ejection. <laughs> it happens to the I best of I hate that. <laughs> it happens to the best that of That is Francesco. not funny. Um. Speaking of the opposite of premature ejection, the only other thing I have to say about this game, guys, is this Spall, do they have the handsomest up-top duo in the Serie A this year or in all of history? Boriello, it's a good start. Boriello and Antonucci. Antonucci, oh my god. I I look in the mirror and I just wish that was me. He's he's just a better-looking version of me. Yeah, he's got the long beard. We compared him. Who's the Dodger uh, that we compared him to? uh, Justin Turner. But he's dude. He hurt us, man. Because Justin Turner, you know, is looking like looking like a like a Irish uh, a caveman with that bright red ginger coming out of there. But no, he cleaned his hair up. His beard is trimmed up, all looking good, but still big and mean. I mean. Spall might be seventeenth on the table, but they're number one in my heart. I mean, sorry, in the, in the hearts of in the hearts of the ladies. Um, I mean, you're they, hard too. Be honest. This guy be looks honest. nothing like Justin Turner, guys. Get that out of your head. Uh, you know that'll give you nightmares. <laughs> Justin Turner looks like I don't know. He looks like the, the Sasquatch. He looks <laughs> literally looks like the beef the the Jack Link's uh, Sasquatch. Yeah, he, lo- he looks like Irish Sasquatch. Yeah. I still wish I had that beard. Though. I mean, you know. Between these two guys, Boreal and Antonucci, they may not be scoring much on the field, but they are the capo cannoniere of the bedsheets, baby. These guys must be crushing it. I mean, can the pit of naked, writhing men, women, and centaurs and Spall handle the both of these two sex gods? It might be uh, a tough order for them, but they need points because they are definitely in the danger zone, man. Boreal, Antonucci, two words, Eiffel Tower. 
<laughs> All right. Let's finish it off with Benevento and Fiorentina. Benevento. Benevento just stands for basement, man. This one finished 0-3. Benevento getting punished by the blue crush wave that is Fiorentina. I guess that's the color they were wearing this guy, this week, guys. Marco, what do you got? And Borello and Antenucci should play for PSG, huh? Yeah, Benevento gets punished by the Blue Crush Wave. That was a uh, movie reference, guys. All right, Blue yeah. Crush. All right. Christ's yeah. sake. Get one over you guys every I once in a I, while here. I think I walked out of the preview of that movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, you missed out. <laughs> Benassi and Babacar in the first half, and uh, HTCT hits just another PK, guys. This guy scores more PKs than uh, than uh, Boriello scores uh, off the pitch. You know what I'm saying? That joke's never going to get old. Yeah, no. And uh, Benevento, guys, vying for worst team in Serie A history. Zero points, two goals, 22 against. It's pretty bad. Baroni getting fired. Uh, Roberto De Zerbi, he's back. What, what, De Zerbi, why does that sound familiar? Probably we've seen De Zerbi before with Palermo. Well, at least, at least Serie A is sustainable. You yeah. know, we recycle yeah. coaches. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think what we know him from is that his palais have been in Zamperini salad at one point. Yeah, so whether or not he has them still or not, you know, he's got a really tough task ahead of him. He deserves to coach. That's right. That's why I remember derby. him. That's why I remember him now. And Fiorentina, who has really failed against most of the big tests this season, has a chance to make a statement against Torino this weekend. Again, Torino played decent against Roma. Uh, Pioli says, you know, let's look at the table at Christmas time. You know, everybody gets hyped up when you beat Benevento. Um, when you get more than one win in a row, even though the uh, they, they haven't been against good squads. So, look, Fiorentina, they're in a decent position right now. Uh, but I agree with Pioli, you know, keep that vest buttoned up until Christmas and see what happens. Finally, Benevento. I mean, what? This team's got to do something. I mean, they got to get that. Uh, they got to get that guy uh, in the Serie D who apparently peed towards the other team's fans um, and then made lewd gestures as junk to just to fire him up or something. Man, I mean, this 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 team has just absolutely got nothing going on. Need something. Absolutely need something. All right, guys, that'll finish off week nine. As we've already alluded to in this podcast, week ten is already starting with the Sampdoria Inter game today. So podcast is already stale so we'll talk to everybody after week 11 this weekend until then ragazzi we say subscribe rate comment and arrivederci ciao 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 ciao